When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. You're listening to Bookmarked, a young adult book podcast brought to you by bookstacked.com. This is episode 33, and today we're catching you up on the latest YA news and talking about the controversy surrounding the Eleanor and Park movie. We've got that coming up, so stay with us. Before we do anything, we want to introduce everybody who's here. So my name is Saul, and we also have Mary. Hi. Addie. Hi, guys. And Christy. Hi, guys. Christy, it's been a while since we've last seen you, so we're so excited to see you again. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad I could be here to record today. There was one thing we wanted to start off with, and that's just kind of... I I would really like to hear your guys' feedback about the show. Um, Not... You three, your feedback. I'm talking about the audience. I'd love to hear the audience's feedback about the show, especially those of you who have been with us for a long time. You may have noticed the last few episodes have been formatted a little differently than what we've done in the past. Uh, We've sort of been looking for like one large topic to discuss that's kind of relevant. And then leading into news, kind of going through the news in the second half of the show. We kind of like this format so far, um, but we're still experimenting with it. We're not sure if we're going to stick with it. And so we just like your feedback on whether or not that's something you enjoy. So like a good example of that would be a few months ago, we did the reader burnout discussion and kind of like what happens when you get really tired of reading and stuff like that. And it was just kind of relevant to, I guess, the fact that it was a new year and everybody's usually like talking about their Goodreads challenge and whatnot. Um, So we try to keep it like timely and relevant in that sense. And we're going to be doing that again today with the discussion on inclusivity and Eleanor and Park, given the recent news of the Eleanor and Park movie. Um, But then, of course, sometimes, too, we're going to have entire episodes devoted to like a single thing. Like if there's a big movie, you know, we might do a movie review or something like we've done in the past. Or last month, we talked to author Eileen Aaron, and that was the entire episode. So that's kind of where we're going with this right now. And so we just kind of really like your feedback on that. So yeah basically do you like this format is this something you would like for us to continue to do also is there something you'd like us maybe to start doing or something you'd like us to drop um we're just very curious to hear what you have to say so you can go to the website which is bookmarkedshow.com there is a link at the bottom of that web page that will take you to a contact form so you can get in touch uh with that said we also have a twitter account now that we want to start using to maybe interact with all of you a lot more uh, that's bookmarked YA. Uh, so just twitter.com slash bookmarked YA, or you can just search for that 
in the app and you should be able to find us. We're thinking we can maybe start including polls and ask questions and just really include all of you more in our podcast and in these discussions. And I think one other avenue too that you can interact with us is Anchor, which is our host and sponsor for this podcast. They just launched a brand new feature. And basically the way it works is it's basically voice messages. And the way it works is you open up the show notes in your app, wherever, however you're listening to us. And at the very bottom, there should be a link. And if you click that link, it will take you to a web page where you can record a 60 second message and that gets to us and we can include that in the show. Um, you don't, you shouldn't have to download any app or anything at all. Like you can use it on your phone. You can use it on your computer. Basically you just go to that web page, and there should be a spot for you to record. That's another option if you want to kind of get in touch and be part of the show. So just wanted to get that out there. And yeah, we'd really love to hear what you have to say. So let's go on to our normal segment, which is what are you reading? Christy, do you want to start us off with that? What have you been reading lately? I have been reading a lot of contemporaries, actually. I just finished um, There's Something About Sweetie. That was really good. And then I read um, Fake It or Break It. They're both, one of the, 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 there's always something about Sweetie. It had deals with like body positivity. So that one's really good. And then Fake It or Break It. It is more like first love story. You know, fake dating, all that good stuff. <laughs> I've been reading... I just read Broken Throne by Victoria Aveyard, which was the fifth or four and a half, 4.5. I don't know what it is exactly. (laughs) It's the follow-up to the Red Queen series. And it's just a collection of stories from that world. And in my opinion, it's really the ending of the Red Queen series. Uh, She left a lot of things open in the later books. I think I'm the only one on the Bookstack team who actually ended up finishing that that (laughs) series. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel like there were a lot of us who started it and then everybody just kind of stopped. Um, But I kept going because I knew a lot of our readers really enjoyed it and liked it. And we've been getting a lot of people on the website wanting to learn more about this book, actually. But basically, yeah, I thought it was it was the actual ending to the Red Queen series. I think she left a lot of stuff open in the final book and you get a lot more closure with these short stories. So I would definitely recommend that if you're a fan of the Red Queen series, it's definitely for the fans. Uh, if Otherwise, I don't know if it has much more to offer, <laughs> but if you were really into that world and the characters and the politics, like you're going to for sure love this because it really dives deeper into all of that. So, yeah. I just binged books three through five in the Shatter Me series. <laughs> um and I've also been reading a lot of manga too so but like the Shatter Me series I I got into it really late but I was just like I'm never gonna catch up and then I binged it and now I have a book hangover which is wonderful (laughs) I know those were really big a few years ago and I never actually did read them like are they worth it then? Uh, I guess if you binge them, that must mean you really liked them. So, <laughs> uh, it was originally a trilogy, and then she like elongated it. And I'm always afraid when authors elongate their series, just because I don't know how the books are gonna like 
go. So like when Kira cast, when she elongated the selection for like a duology kind of thing, I didn't really like those. So I was kind of hesitant, <laughs> but um, I've liked books four and five so far, not as much as books one through three, but I just wanted to see how she elongated the story after three. Yeah, that is always tricky when they just keep adding, which I think we did an entire podcast on a couple months ago. We did. <laughs> yeah. That's good to hear. I think it's great when you also you find a series that you're enjoying so much that you can just binge it, you know, and it's just so easy to keep keep reading them. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So let's jump in to our main discussion. Now, this stems from some pretty large news uh, that happened in the YA community this past month. I think this, in my opinion, this is probably some of the largest, this is one of the largest news items that happened uh, simply because of all of the discussion that happened around it. Um, on May 14th, an Eleanor and Park movie was announced. And this wasn't the first time that there's that an Eleanor and Park movie has been in the works. Uh, there was one, I think, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nothing came of it. Uh, but this time it was kind of a big deal because one of the producers who's attached to it, he has had ties with the Divergent movies and the Hunger Game movies and the Twilight movies. So pretty big deal. Uh, obviously, those were successful. Well, Ish. I don't know if Divergent. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-successful, mostly successful. <laughs> with Divergent, three quarters successful. Um, uh... <laughs> franchise. They were big mostly movies. successful. <laughs> mostly successful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's like a big deal to have this individual tied to this movie, and so there was a lot of excitement over that. Uh, but with that, within a, a couple of days, really, you saw on Twitter a lot of individuals very worried about this movie and this announcement, and talking about how the Eleanor and Park book is racist uh some are saying that the character eleanor fetishizes park's race like a lot of the passages where she's expressing interest in park are like directly tied to the fact that he's korean you also park himself seems to have a lot of self-loathing uh that's tied to the fact that he's korean and then there were just kind of like inaccuracies too i think there were a lot of people that were bothered by the fact that his name is park when that's usually a, a korean surname as opposed to a first name. So just there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there. And there are a lot of Twitter threads that I think are really good and that go in depth into why these things are problematic, um, where I don't think we need to like read the passages and stuff that are included in the book on this show. But we do have a, an article on the website, I'll link it in the show notes. So that way, if a listener kind of wants to read them themselves, uh, they can and they're all laid out right there. Um, and I think it's important too to point out that this isn't the first time that these accusations have been thrown at Eleanor and Park, which I didn't know at the time. But as I started writing that article and researching, I found that there were a lot of people who felt pretty strongly about this and have been talking about this for years. Now, I haven't actually read Eleanor and Park. That's one of those books that I always have meant to get to and just never have gotten to. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Have any of you read Eleanor and Park? I have. Mary? Yeah, I have too. It was a long time ago, though. (laughs) Yeah, same here. It's been a long time. So what were your guys' thoughts when you first 
heard about this. Uh, and, and when you first read it, I guess it has been a long time, but do you remember being uncomfortable at all with some of the passages in this book? I don't really remember being uncomfortable. Um, for me, it was more just of a... I'm trying to see why a lot of people like this book. So it's just like, let me pick up this book. And for me, it was just a really tough time getting through it. Yeah. When I read it, it was right after Fangirl. So Mm -hmm. I was wanting kind of that same kind of story. So I was, I like, I don't know. I was kind of a different person back then. So I didn't really see the problems with it then. Mm -hmm. But I think if I went back now, I would feel more uncomfortable reading it. Because after I read our article, I understood a lot where people were coming from and how they found it problematic and all that. You mentioned that, like, at the time, maybe you wouldn't have noticed those aspects. Uh, And I feel like that's kind of true of a lot of the YA community and maybe just consumers as, as a whole, not even just specific to books, right? I feel like these discussions about inclusivity and diversity have really picked up a lot of steam in the last several years and I don't remember when this book was published is it 2012 maybe I think and even at that time yeah even at that time I don't know if these discussions were as prominent as they are now if that makes sense uh and so yeah you kind of wonder like if this if an author were querying this type of book today would it even get picked up because of that, right? Because now we we have these things more on our mind and they're important things to be considering and talking about. So I guess my, and I don't want to just keep this to like, uh, we talked about maybe talking about racial diversity and having this discussion be about that, but we ultimately decided on talking about inclusivity as a whole. Like just how do you go about portraying and including minorities or, or any individuals in in media and so kind of like what i'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are like what are some of the problematic things you're seeing writers and authors and books do and when how do you think like is there a correct way to approach this stuff i want to say do a lot of research if you're going to put something in a book you don't necessarily know a lot about or like you're not part of that group because I will find characters that relate to me but one they're very hard to find and two um a lot of jokes come from that group I'm in so and it's very hard to deal with that sometimes when I see or listen to those jokes on the audiobook it's very hard to hear and people don't do their research and you're just like okay this is true but this isn't true of this entire group that I'm in yeah I agree I think too when you see when you see things that are inaccurate as well like that are just characterizing correctly it's just one annoying (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. and 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 it like perpetuates these myths or these uh these things that just aren't true because people start reading those those aspects about, I don't know, whether it's your race or your religion or just your your gender or anything, like people start reading those side of things and they internalize them. And then they like 
parrot them, you know? And it's like, that's not even true. And it's, that becomes really annoying and that becomes very harmful in that sense. And I think what happens when that, when there is language like that in a book and people start internalizing it, you're kind of building these walls and these divisions between people, you know, and it becomes harder to connect and harder to understand each other because of that. (laughs) Yeah. I read a book recently. It was about a runaway K-pop idol and I disagree with, I agree with what Mary said that people just need to really research as much as they can because I couldn't even finish the book because it just was very stereotypical. Like they just watched a bunch of K dramas and put what they saw on there into the book. And it just was really uncomfortable. And I just think if authors are going to, write about a different culture that they aren't familiar with they just have to really immerse themselves into it and get uh sensitivity readers to read their work because that will definitely help solve all their problems yeah with that said um i wanted to include too this like excerpt from an interview i did with saba tahir uh i think this was in 2015 or 2016 uh the first ember in the ashes book had just come out and a torch against the night was going to come out in a couple of months when i talked to her and i really i asked her this question i said like is there a right way like how should people go about in diversity and inclusivity in their writing like what do you do and so here's what she had to say about that i research a lot for me the diverse groups in my book represent me that's my reality I kind of feel more comfortable in representing them. But if I do approach the types of diversity that I'm not as familiar with, then my goal is to talk to people, understand it, research it, and then have sensitivity readers come in. And not just one reader, not just your friend or mom or somebody who's peripherally related to that diverse group. You need people where that's their reality. They live that life. And you need more than one person. The goal isn't for them to come in and rewrite your book. It's for you to understand whether you're doing everything you can to accurately and fairly portray a group that you don't belong to. Um, And so I think what she was saying there really just kind of echoes everything you guys were saying. You know, uh, you need to do your research and you need to talk to people. Like you need to get out there and talk to people and not just watch like YouTube videos. Like what is it like to be, (laughs) I don't know, uh, Mexican-American or something. You get what I'm saying? Uh, You need Mm -hmm. to spend time with those individuals and have conversations with them. And, and I think also practice a little bit of humility in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like when you're handing over your manuscript or something that you've created to those people, you need to be open to the idea that maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't get everything right. And you need to be open to their feedback in order for you to maybe change things that are problematic, if that makes sense. What are some examples of, of books you've read recently that maybe do a good job at this? A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, I read, um, and there's a character that you find out later on is in this group I'm in, and the author actually did a really good job of portraying what this person goes through and what I go through, and it's historical fictions so like things have obviously changed but people used to get thrown in mental institutions and now they don't do that but like 
in the back of the book, she had this like entire, the author had this like entire page devoted to like talking about this one condition that the character has. And I thought that was a really good thing that she did. She had an entire thing about the condition. She knew exactly what she was talking about. A lot of the examples in my mind where they get it right tend to be like own voices type of books where it's it's somebody who that is their experience and they're writing about about that, um, which I don't know. I, I have seen some discussion online. There are some individuals who seem to think that uh, or who believe that you should only write like your experience and you shouldn't write about somebody else's experience. I don't know if that's like the best approach or not. I, I genuinely I, I don't know. But I think for sure when you when you're part of that group, you are probably more suited to discuss those things because you're coming from a very real and authentic place. Whereas if you're outside of that group, I think you're you have to just do your due diligence even more so. Right. You have to do even more research. And and it's just naturally more difficult to place yourself in that situation and write about that. I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> no, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, I agree with you saying, like, that it's a good idea to have personal experiences in there, but I also feel like a good mix between personal and others is, like, better than maybe just, like, your experience with it. Just so, like you could have a completely different experience than somebody else. So like a good mix between the two is always what I like. Yeah. Even if you are like a member of a certain group, you also have to realize that your experience is very different from another person who who might still be part of that group. Like I'm Mexican American, right? Mm -hmm. But there, and there are millions of other Mexican Americans and their experience with the culture and, and, their lifestyle, everything is going to be completely different from what mine is. Um, mm-hmm. We grow up in different places. We, we have different families, different histories, different backgrounds. And mm-hmm. so if I'm, for example, going to be writing about these things, I think I also need to do research. Yeah, basically, I just didn't want to say, like, if you're part of that group, you're good. Don't worry, you know, but like you still have to do research, even if you are. You just might be better equipped. You might be more sensitive to certain to certain topics mm-hmm. and, and approaches. And I want to add too, like, I think, I don't know, maybe this is like an unpopular opinion, but mm-hmm. sometimes I think we're really quick to judge and pounce on top of things. And I feel like we should absolutely call out the problematic things uh, when we see them. Because if we don't, then they're, the, those uh, harmful stereotypes and stuff are just going to, like I said earlier, they, they catch on and they people internalize them. Um, but I also think like, they're going to be, especially as people do more and more of this and are trying to be inclusive, they're going to be making mistakes, right? And I guess my mindset, I'm kind of like, let's try and be patient with people and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt and and not necessarily try to tear them down and like create a culture where people are even scared to, to approach the topics of inclusivity because we want people to be inclusive, right? It's a very fine line, uh, that authors have to, you know, like, walk on. For example, like, like people, like, authors of, of color, you know, like, like you said, Saul, we each, like, have our own experience. And, you know, in every culture, there's, like, a common, 
there's a certain commonality, even though every household, it might be different, but there's always like that one thing that they, that every single family has in common, but also being, you know, careful not to like write in a voice that like, oh, I represent everybody of my group, you know, in this age of like tweets that go viral and social media posts that go viral, people, I think, take it a bit too far at times without giving the benefit of the doubt. Like you said, you know, people are, authors are trying. Yeah, I think I agree. And I really like what you said too, that you need to be careful into not thinking that you represent an entire group, you know, but sometimes I think people fall into that trap and that's where they kind of get into trouble because they're like, I'm writing about the definitive experience about this thing. And it's like, no, like you're writing about an experience from that thing. And I think, yeah, when you do that, you, you isolate others and you just fall into, yeah, you just fall into this trap and you end up doing the thing that you're trying to avoid in the first place, which is building walls when what you want to be doing is, helping people understand and giving people insight into a certain Uh topic. Well, all right. So we have a lot more to discuss. Uh, I think we had a pretty good discussion there and yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing to talk about. And again, I'm sure there are some things maybe we didn't consider. And so if you're listening to this and you have something you want to include in this conversation, please do uh, feel like you can reach out and include your voice and, and say something. Uh, we talked about a bit about how you can get in touch with us in the beginning of the show. Just again, you can go to bookmarkedshow.com. There's a link there where you can get in contact with us if you want to send us an email. Uh, you can tweet at us now. So go to bookmarkedya on Twitter. And you can also leave us a voice message if you actually want your voice to be included in the show. Uh, just open the show notes. There's a link at the bottom and it will take you to a web page where you can leave us a voice message. So yeah. Uh, we still have some big news items to go over. Like I said in the beginning of the show, there was a ton of stuff that happened this last month. Yeah, we're going to get to all of that after this break. We've got Pottermore is closing, which was pretty big news and also a bit controversial. And then we've got a lot of book to movie news as well. Looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over? We always suggest reading a book. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? In the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. All right, so first thing we want to discuss is Pottermore. Pottermore is such a charged word in the Harry Potter community. Man, uh, people have really strong feelings about Pottermore. And basically the big news was that the website is closing, sort of. Not completely closing, but all of the interactive stuff, like the accounts with the houses and the quizzes and everything are being transferred over to this new website called wizardingworld.com. They've already been transferred over. It's already happened. And you can go to the website and reclaim your 
your house and your wand and your Patronus and all that. But man, when they announced that, people got really upset. I don't know. What did you guys? What are some of the things you guys saw and heard, or what were some of your thoughts when you saw this about Pottermore and WizardingWorld.com? When I saw it, I was like, another change again. I was just like, you. When they first announced it, there was so much going around on YouTube and stuff. Um, I remember all the owls appearing every single day on the YouTube channel about like how many more days is left. You could get in earlier than other people. And then they had this entire, like, you can do chapter by chapter by chapter interactive stories within the books. You can make potions. And then they changed it all to, like, news and stuff. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested in this anymore. (laughs) So when they changed it again, I was just like, yeah, maybe maybe just keep one format, (laughs) please, so you're not confusing everybody. So part of me wonders if they... Because it seems to be that they want Pottermore to be this official fan site, which is really weird. It's like a fan site owned by J.K. Rowling. (laughs) And they seem to want to be doing that with Pottermore. But then they heard all these complaints, right? The fact that all those things were taken away, like the chapter by chapter and stuff. And so I wonder if Wizarding World will become more like that original Pottermore. And then Pottermore can continue as this weird little fan site thing. It's hard to know. Uh, because right now it's very bare bones. Really, all you can do is go in, get your sorting hat and wand and Patronus and all of that. And you can also like create these little social media graphics where yeah. it's like my wizarding world is Hermione Granger and Scabbers. And it's like, these are the things that I really like about the wizarding world and what I think about. And you can just share it and it looks cool. But that's all it seems to be right now. So it's really interesting to see where they're going to go with this. One of the rumors that came out of all of that was a report uh, from MuggleNet.com, which apparently they're planning on a paid a premium account for WizardingWorld.com. And some of the things that were like included in that, uh, you get like a house badge and access to exclusive content, you know, things like that. I'm just like curious, would you guys ever pay for like a premium Pottermore account? Uh, to me, that seems so weird. I don't think so. I'm guessing, but no, by the no. looks on your faces. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, especially, I mean, I, first off, we have no idea what will be included yeah. in this to begin with. Don't want to use the word like cash grab, but that's what it seems like going on with like all these like different Wizarding World like things. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, I might, I mean, honestly, honestly, I might have paid it when like Pottermore first started. When it was like the little games, like Mary said, and then like the, like you got like the information bits about like certain characters and like the, and their background information. I might have for like extra stuff, but I don't know anymore. Like it just seems like a cash grab. I mean, we have Pottermore, we have Cursed Child. There's the the two different mobile games, and like with the with the Pokemon Go format. There's all of this going on, and it's just like it, it makes you like think twice about paying for something Wizarding World related when there's not much Wizarding World stuff going on. Yeah, I just feel like there are so many things that you can subscribe to now. Like, I mean, Disney and Apple of all things is launching its own streaming service, yeah. and there's there's all this stuff that you got that you're expected to pay for now, and it's like. 
do I really want to be paying for Spotify and Hulu and HBO and Netflix <laughs> and Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus um, and NBC Plus when that becomes a thing to get oh the office? Because I'm sure that will be a thing in three years. And on top of all of that, I have to pay 10 bucks to Pottermore to to access Hogwarts games. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna work unless unless the benefits are really really cool like they gotta be amazing otherwise I'd, i don't see many people paying for this and i feel like it's just another it'll become another initiative um that they're creating that's in a few years is gonna fail and then we're gonna be talking about how that failed <laughs> and it's just like yeah i i don't see much to it um i think this is one of those things where you know they completely ignored the whole if it ain't broke don't fix it mm-hmm. thing and i mean pottermore the original pottermore was pretty good i enjoyed it i loved it and then it just became like an online newsletter that every now and then was updated and they took away the games i mean and, and it also kind of feels like kind of like a distraction from the from the whole fantastic beasts thing you know, it must be working because we haven't even mentioned Crimes of Grindelwald at all this episode, which is a first <laughs> since that movie came out. <laughs> so... First in what, six months? <laughs> yeah. But we're on to them. We know what they're up to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, moving on. Uh, we had a great, I, in my opinion, a great trailer release for His Dark Materials. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this on the show before, but if I remember correctly, am I the only one who read those books? Yes. HBO seems to be like billing this as like their new big TV show, which Game of Thrones obviously just ended. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of talk over whether or not this will be like the next big fantasy series. And yeah, these books are great. I just got to put that out there. Um, (laughs) Also controversial because of their treatment of theology and religion. I don't know if you guys remember. It's probably I don't remember when the movie came out, The Golden Compass. I think it's yeah. been like twelve years or so. But there were yeah. like a lot of boycotts and stuff. Yeah, I remember um, that very clearly. And I could see why people losing their minds about it. You could tell it was kind of like a re- a bit of a like a religious, not attack, but like negative portrayal of like really of like a certain like religious groups the the first book if you see the movie maybe you won't necessarily see it but like as you continue reading that trilogy it's a lot more apparent (laughs) like some of the stuff and some of the concerns but anyway that's neither here or there for me when i hear like you can't watch this i usually end up like watching it or reading it (laughs) it was like you can't watch the golden compass and suddenly i was really interested in watching the golden compass it was like you can't watch or read the da vinci code and then i was like i've got to read this book (laughs) (laughs) um it'll be interesting to see if there are a lot of protests again uh concerning this this tv show but anyway i thought the trailer looked really neat and it got me really excited for what's to come i think these books have a lot of depth and there's a lot of like really neat characters and the world itself is super cool. Like, I don't know if you guys saw Detective Pikachu, how everybody has like a companion Pokemon. <laughs> well, like in this world, your soul lives outside of your body in the form of an animal. And it's almost like having a companion Pokemon. So I'm like, that's pretty neat. <laughs> so theoretically, at least this would be like a Game of Thrones type of show that everyone can watch because 
if you're younger, you probably shouldn't be watching like Game of Thrones. For should be watching HBO uh, in general. Yeah, yeah, in general. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. Um, and so this seems like something that a lot more people can maybe enjoy and jump in on. Um, and while still getting some of that really high caliber storytelling. So it's for sure. I'm excited, at least as somebody who read the books. The other big news item. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Stephen Chbosky, who wrote Perks of Being a Wallflower. He's written a second book, um, but it's not a YA. It's like a horror. <laughs> oh, I, I read how he's like emphatically like saying it is not a YA book. Yeah, it's a it's a novel called Imaginary Friend, and I think it's about a single mother and her son, and there seems to be some creepy stuff going on. So, uh, did you guys read Perks of Being a Wallflower? I did. Yeah. No, I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit, I saw the movie. I have not read the book. I didn't really. Well, enjoy I'm curious. The book that much. <laughs> you didn't? Okay. Well, I was curious if you this would be something you would pick up. Uh, because it is his second novel and that book is so monumental in YA like it's one of those original classics when it comes to young adult novels um so do you is, is this something you see yourself reading no I'm not really like a horror reader <laughs> so probably not even though I did really like Perks of Being a Wallflower I read very little horror I try to stay away from it so <laughs> no <laughs> I was just curious because I think a lot of the promotion I've seen so far and the book was only just announced, so there hasn't been a ton, but a lot of it seems to be like putting the author's name in big, bold letters and telling people like, he's got a new book. And I'm kind of like, this is such a different genre from what he originally did. I'm curious as to how effective that marketing is going to be. Um, I don't know if everyone is going to just run to pick up this book because of that, but it'll be interesting, I guess. I'm always like amazed when it takes people like these long lengths of time to write books, uh, with, not in a, like a bad way or anything. It's just like kind of cool. And it's like, I think it adds to a lot of the hype around the book. And you're kind of like, man, it took him nine years to complete this book. But mm -hmm. That was also some pretty big news. And I think the only other thing to mention is that Children of Blood and Bone got a really prestigious award this last month. It won a Nebula Award, which... For those who don't know, is basically the Oscars of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, it's it's a big deal. And so, yeah, just like big congratulations to Tomi Adiemi on that. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's everything that we have for today. Thank you for joining us. Again, if you want to get in touch, go to bookmarkedshow.com. You can also find us on Twitter, bookmarkedya, and you can also leave us a voice message by opening the show notes app link at the bottom and it'll take you to a web page where you can record something and we can include that in the show thank you again for being here and we will catch you guys next time bye <laughs> <laughs>